0: I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR, writer for Cleveland.com, coming at you guys live from vacation in Wilmington. I know the audio quality sucks. Look, I packed my microphone, packed everything I need. If you're a MacBook user, you understand that when you have a MacBook, the newest MacBooks, you have these lightning ports on the side. Well, my microphone is a USB-based microphone. I didn't bring my adapter. I'm upset. I'm upset at myself. Rough 10 minutes. I'm sorry. Hopefully, we can get by with this audio quality and make it work to have an insightful podcast. I have a great guest on for you guys today, and I hope you guys do enjoy what we talk about as we sort of shift away from Baker Mayfield, who we got last week. If you have not listened to the podcast with Derek Klassen, we do a nice job of discussing – what year two might look like for the young quarterback, sort of the traits he can carry over predicting his stats. Give that one a listen if you can as we sort of go through position by position. Today we will focus on the offensive line. We're going to talk about everybody, Treader, what the contract looks like and why it was smart for the Browns with Greg Robinson, what right guard looks like, and if it's a smart move to do what they did in terms of trying to replace that player, what could be 80% of as good a player. We'll discuss all of those things. Been a pretty quiet week in the Browns camp. A lot of players are having their summer camps for local players. Or sorry, for the local kids. Denzel Ward had his. Baker Mayfield went back to his hometown and had his. I had some interesting things to say about Sam Ellinger of Texas as well. Just doesn't seem like Baker's going to stop talking ever. I don't know. I just wouldn't expect this guy to ever be quiet. So if you have a problem with him talking, giving his opinion, voicing uh, his, his, his thoughts about other players, other teams, whatever – I don't think that's going to change, so you're just going to have to get used to him. And the bottom line is going to continue to be throw touchdowns, because that's all that matters in this world for Baker Mayfield. Cleveland will always love him if he is throwing touchdowns. So um, other than that, Jarvis Landry had a celebrity softball game. Looks like a lot of guys had a good time at that one. If you got some chances, they are out there. I'm going to also encourage you to watch – uh, building the Browns. I did not watch the Demarius Randall piece uh, that was on. Uh, I think it maybe even went up a month ago with his graduation from Arizona State. Just a good guy. Really cool to see him go back and finish his degree, going to try to go on and get his master's in psychology because he doesn't have to do that. He's making millions of dollars as a first round pick He's going to get paid a second contract without a doubt, but he's going back, finishing his education, very family oriented guy. You'll learn a lot about him. A guy I truly hope the Browns can lock up long-term. Very insightful stuff about him as a person. Again, I encourage you to watch that one if you have not. And then also they did one that they released this week on OTAs, gave us a really nice look at Tosh LePoy, the Browns defensive line coach, gave you a feel for these guys, uh, how they're getting coached, all of those things which are really fun to see, a lot of on-field work, which is also neat to see, how the secondary is clicking, all of those things. Really nice for the Browns to give the secondary, and the defense as a whole, a lot of coverage because I think that's a forgotten element here is – It's exciting to talk about Odell and Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and how all of these guys, Kareem Hunt, how they interact, how this offense could be special. But it's also worth noting how much improvement they seem to have put on the field for the defense in terms of the guys up front. They focus a lot on Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson and all of those new pieces that are going to be included in what was already a pretty solid defense Uh, that's now getting additions of really good players. Greedy Williams, there, getting a lot of time as well. I really encourage you to watch what is a very fantastic production, Browns film. Um, Sorry, no, that would be Building the Browns. Uh, And and it's just on YouTube, very easy to watch. I'm sure most of you are doing it, but I wanted to encourage you to do so. So nothing else crazy going on. It is a dead period as we wait until training camp. Those training camp dates were released. If you have not seen those training camp dates, they're all over the Browns website. Uh, Pretty much going to be the 25th through the 30th. Browns will have, um, I think, a day off there on a Tuesday for a scrimmage, and then they're back on. It's going to be pretty much early August as well, so I will be up there covering those dates as best I can. Some career change stuff possibly in the wind for me. Who knows? I'm going to see how much coverage I can provide. I'll be interested to see where that all shakes out leading into what should be an exciting season. So, again, we're going to jump into offensive line play today. I apologize that the audio quality is not great, but I'm trying to get this out while I'm in Wilmington. Really encourage anybody to come to Wilmington if they can. A couple really great beaches nearby, Wrightsville Beach, Curry Beach just up the road, Carolina Beach. Really affordable, fun little getaway for us. Encourage you guys to do that if you have a family and you want to do something like that getting out of Ohio for a while. Otherwise, uh, yeah, let's get over to our guest today who is going to uh, discuss offensive line play with us in just a moment. What's up, Blue Wire listeners? This is Jack from the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod. We recently ranked as the number one sports podcast on all of iTunes, all of Apple. We cover all things from the NBA draft, from NBA free agency. We're working on MLB this summer, as well as the NFL off season. Catch me and my co-host Abe on the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod, a part of the wonderful Blue Wire Podcast Network. Okay guys, excited to welcome in somebody I believe in um, in terms of studying offensive defensive lines. I wanted to uh, get as many quality opinions. We had Derek Klassen on the talk of Baker Mayfield sort of what year two looks like for him just last week. Uh, this week, I want to talk about uh, the offensive line because I think that's going to be an interesting point of contention for this group um, that everybody in the fan base should be paying attention to. So I'm gonna bring in Brandon Thorne, Brandon's uh, Twitter is at Brandon Thorne, NFL. He is the football content manager at the Scouting Academy, and then a film analyst for the Broncos at the Athletic Denver. Brandon, thanks for taking some time for me, man.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me on, Jake. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, let's let's just dive in. I I, I want to get your opinion on a myriad of Browns offensive line questions. First one is this: the the biggest, um, the, you know, the offensive line is is. It's interesting, to say the least, because they had a, a tale of two uh, two seasons last year, and it's sort of their second-half resurgence under Freddie Kitchens and the offense as a whole was led by that offensive line. It sort of spearheaded what the offense became. and their As their production, as their play productivity increased, both running game and pass protection, the Browns started winning football games. So then this offseason, as they have a chance to keep those guys together, they just sit down, they weigh their options, they decide to – uh, pull the trigger here for an Olivier Vernon trade to improve the pass rush talent opposite of Miles Garrett. They 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 feel that that is a primary need. They feel like maybe they're stretching themselves financially too thin along the offensive line. They move Kevin Zeidler. So Brandon, I want to know for your opinion. You have looked at, Ke- uh, at Austin Corbett, who is the the right guard front runner to take over that position. Do you think between say Corbett if he wins that job or Eric Kush who they brought in from Kansas City? or Kyle Kalis, who has sort of been sort of hovering, getting snaps at that right guard position, too. Do you think they can – do you think they will be okay getting maybe like 75 to 80% of the player that Kevin Zeitler was in front of Mayfield at right guard?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think it's been interesting the way that certain reports have came out. I know from you and others, just as far as what the offensive lines looked like, at least – you know, through OTAs and things like that, and how Corbett wasn't necessarily the the shoe-in starter there, at right guard, which I think took people a little bit by surprise, me included. I mean, I thought that he would pretty much be the heir apparent to Zeitler. And, you know, I guess, uh, you know, Kyle Kalis was playing a lot of guard and whatnot. So I'm not really sure what that's about. But, it, you know, for me, coming out of Nevada, I liked Corbett. Um, I thought that he could be a, a solid player in the NFL to solid to good player. I did like him, you know, I liked the idea of him playing center, but at the same time, I also liked him at guard as well. I just liked, you know, I thought that he definitely should should have kicked inside after playing left tackle at Nevada. And, um, but either way, yeah, I mean, I, the things I liked about Corbett on film, I think the biggest thing is was his hand usage, his ability to use his hands, the, the timing of his strikes and pass protection, the placement in the run game, his ability to create leverage on guys and sustain blocks really well so I thought he was a pretty crafty guy in that regard but you know athletically I thought he was pretty pretty average you know just uh you know not not that he needs to be much more than that to be a good player but that was just a trait that I thought was average of his um and you know the big reason why I thought he should have went inside is as far as playing in space as a pass protector I didn't think he was he was particularly good at that either so I thought going inside for him it would have been a a pretty seamless transition because for me, when I look at tackles that transition inside, I think hand usage is a huge part of that because things happen so much quicker on the inside. So having a guy who's able to to place his hands in the correct spot, um, you know, pretty much immediately after the snap or have variants that he can go to versus interior guys is really important. So I, I really like the idea of the transition for him. So for me, I mean, I, I liked Corbett um, and I thought that, he could be uh, you know, like I said, a solid guy. and to answer your question specifically, do I think that he could replace Zeitler at a at a you know a suitable level? I think he can. I mean, if you get you know, like we've said like seventy five percent of Zeitler I think that that is definitely doable, especially when you look at the fact that he's going to be playing alongside a good center and shredder and he they have a good offensive line coach now, um not that they did not before, but I do like you know their offensive line coach camping now. so, uh, I think there's a lot of things in place for him to have a pretty good transition this season, and if he doesn't, I'll, I'll be pretty surprised.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk James Campen. The Browns uh, totally reshaped their offensive staff, uh, amongst many other moves that bring James Campen in from Green Bay. What are your, I think that there's a little bit of uh, an interesting uh, paradox that goes on there between what Campen's production was as far as like Uh, justice must is O-line rankings and some of the opinions of maybe Aaron Rodgers holding on to the football too long and then sort of Campin's ability to develop some of those mid to late round picks too so as far as like your tiers of offensive line coaches where would you put Campin in and what can the Browns uh, fan base here expect from his players that he tries to develop or at least how he teaches his offensive line
1: yeah so I mean you just have to look at guys track records in terms of who they've coached and what they've been able to get out of them and if you do that for camping I mean the things that the Packers offensive line were, were able to do over the course of the last I don't know so basically since he was there um, I mean you know I think he got there well I know he was there since at least 2010 um, he, you know so maybe even I'm not exactly sure of his tenure there but he was there for the development of guys like TJ Lang and Josh Sitton uh, even Shredder, Lindsley, you know, guys like Bakhtiari. Um, so a lot of these guys are technicians, you know, that that's how they pretty much win for the most part. And you have to look, you have to give at least some credit to the offensive line in that regard. So for me, when you look at his track record of development of guys, I think it's up there with pretty much almost any offensive line coach that you can come up with. I mean, just with those guys where they were drafted and their expectations, all of them rose past that. So I think that in of itself is a really encouraging aspect of his, of who he is as a coach and what he'll bring to the Browns, um, especially for Corbett, like we mentioned, and maybe even the tackles hopefully. But, but yeah, in, in terms of tiers, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to say, I don't, I don't usually bring his name up, honestly. I mean, I think he's probably pretty underrated even, you know, definitely in my mind um somebody that I have underrated, honestly, because uh, I usually mention like tier one is like Munchak and Skarnikia, Callahan, you know, and, and then after that, I like guys like Aaron Cromer with the Rams, and I even like John Matsko with the Panthers, but yeah, I think Campin is is probably up in that, definitely the top half, top 10 maybe of offensive line coaches, I think it's fair, just based on what he's done, so I'm really encouraged by the, the hire, and I think that Browns fan should be as well because he has a he has a lot of proof of what of what he could do as a developer of of skill in offensive linemen. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about him just for for, for really all the offensive linemen. Aside from got you know, maybe both and Shredder, who are pretty much are they are what they are. I think everybody else can get a little bit better and has room to grow. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about it for the Browns.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think they should be too. At least it's an improvement, um, you know, upon the connection and development of some of these guys who who need developed. I think especially when you talk about somebody who needs to continue yeah. developing even past, you know, he's past the early phase of his career, but Greg Robinson finally seemed to to gain some traction uh, last year, the last half of last year. He took over for uh, Desmond Harrison there week nine when, when Freddie Kitchens became the offensive coordinator and had a really solid, not great, but solid – back half of 2018 so do you think obviously there's pretty rough stuff on st louis uh his rams days and then into his detroit days on on film and i was pretty much of the group when they signed him to 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 bring him in for camp it was just kind of like a throwaway sort of signing but he proved himself and earned another contract do you think what happened Brandon with Greg Robinson the last half of 2018 is that what we see from him moving forward I know he spent time with the Charles Bentley is that what we see with him moving forward or do you think we see sort of a regression back to the norm uh for Greg and then do you think that they they did a good thing here giving him a one-year deal or do you think they should have maybe intended to lock him up at a cheaper price because this could be something he carries forward so kind of a two-part question there
1: Yeah, so I'll just start with the idea of bringing him back and everything. I I like the idea of bringing him back on a one-year deal. Uh, Certainly, I think what he showed last year was encouraging, especially, as you mentioned, with his background of being a disappointment, but still being extremely talented. I mean, that's pretty evident when you watched him in Auburn, if you saw any any of them at all, just his physical traits and, and the way he's able to move at that size. And and um, things like that are pretty special. So, for to 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 have that as sort of the backdrop, and then a bunch of disappointing film, it really it all stemmed from technique, I thought, and just being comfortable transitioning from that Auburn system to the pros. It seemed like he never really got there. And then, of course, you mentioned uh, working with the Charles Bentley. I think that's gradually actually helped him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, last year though, when you when you look at what he did in the second half. I thought it was. I thought he was, like you said, he was. He was pretty solid, you know, adequate to solid. Um, I think the biggest thing that I saw improve with him is that just the patience that he showed, the confidence that he showed as a pass protector. He wasn't trying to be over aggressive on guys and trying to get his hands on guys too quickly. Because I think that's that's where he found his comfort zone was really being physical and aggressive, and that while that obviously helps you more as a run blocker and pass protection, that can really hurt you if you're not selective with that so I thought that he was able to be a lot more selective with it Um, specifically you know just using his hands not being too aggressive at the point of attack showing a little bit of temperance showing a little bit of variance in his hand usage and really playing on that with that inside out relationship on a lot of rushers I I really like that about him so he didn't have to open up his hips too early and then give guys inside you know just just being a little bit more confident but then you also have to consider when you look at their schedule on the back half of the season last year, they didn't really face any good pass rushers. I mean, D. Ford, you know, starting week nine in KC, D. Ford primarily plays off that right tackle. And then you go down to Atlanta, they don't really have anybody. Uh, Cincinnati, um, you know, Lawson, but he was hurt a lot last year. Houston has Clowney, but he doesn't really rush off the edge, you know, like every snap by any means. I mean, he plays in the A gaps as much as he does almost, I don't, you know, I don't have the, the analytics, of the data on that, but I'm just watching tape on Clowney. I mean, he, he's pretty much everywhere.
0: So and he did, he did draw a hole. Greg Robinson, Greg, Greg Robinson. I don't know if you, if you recall, if you watched that one, but Baker threw a 75 yard touchdown to Callaway that got called back because of a Greg Robinson holding call. So yeah, that, that, your point there. Yeah.
1: Brian. Yeah. And, and just, you look at their, I mean, Denver had, you know, Bradley Chubb, but Carolina, nobody really, you know, that's, Who's threatening in baltimore um you know so it's like when you look at their schedule in terms of edge rushers off that left tackle i think it was a good situation for him to be in because he didn't really see anybody elite and if he did like i would maybe classify somebody like ford or Clowney near that he didn't really see him very often you know as, as much as you know traditional guys so so yeah i just think that's important context to consider in his performance last year as well so Um, you know, I don't really expect, I don't have enough confidence in in, to say that he's going to be solid for a whole season. I I wouldn't say that. I think if you could get a guy who's even just adequate, who can, who can, you can win with, I think that that would be huge. I I just, I'm not very confident in it yet, to be honest. I just, I need to see more of it and I need to see it against better competition uh, for me to be really confident in Greg Robinson. So while I do like the idea of bringing him back on a one-year deal, I just think, you know, the, the, your tackle depth in Cleveland is, is really concerning and not, not just the depth, but the, the whole entire tackle group at even starters and depth. I just think that's probably the most concerning place on the entire team. So yeah, there's some good things there, but overall just that position group is is pretty concerning to me.
0: Yeah, I think that deal worked for both sides. Greg Robinson bets on his future. He has another solid to above average. Even if he puts together a good year, he's going to demand a lot of money on the open market. And then Cleveland right. gets to Cleveland gets to play that, prove it again to us that we're that we're making the right decision. And we'll talk long term deal after the year. So yeah, good point there. Um, I, I'll ask this a big question. So I, the tier stuff went crazy. Most people focused on quarterback tiers, and this is like a month ago now. Um, you kind of, I think you had an elite yeah. tier, a good tier, average, below average, and then maybe a poor tier. Um, you have the Browns in the below average tier as a collective offensive line. So just give me your thought process on that and where you kind of came to that decision.
1: Yeah, so I did that at the end of May, and just uh, there were some important things there to, to sort of qualify it and preface it. And it was uh, pretty much every team that I did, I thought that they could be bumped up or down a tier you know, just based on the way the offseason went and and, and things like that. But at the time when I I did that, and I still, for the most part, feel the same way, is the reason why I'm a little bit more down on the Browns offensive line is because of what I just said as far as the tackles go. I think it's probably one of the worst tackle groups in the entire NFL, to be honest. I mean, uh, Chris Hubbard, I mean, I I liked him actually a lot. I was really high on him in Pittsburgh, but I think – watching him leaving Pittsburgh and Mike Munchuck's tutelage. I think that you could see him. I think he regressed a little bit and, and I thought he was solid there in Pittsburgh. So to regress from solid, you know, I think he's kind of, we'll see how he does this year, but, um, and while there's things I like about him, I just, I think he regressed a little bit there. And then like we said, Greg Robinson, I think that that's just concerning to have him as your left tackle, you know, your L T one basically with nothing behind him. So yeah, I mean, the tackle group, first first and foremost for me, is, is concerning in, in Cleveland if I'm breaking the offensive line as I did. And then the interior, I mean, you know, Batonio, obviously a really good left guard and Treaders an underrated center, but right guard, even though I liked Corbett, based on the things that we were hearing, based on the things that I've heard about everything, that you know, just the way it was going there, and then having a guy like Kyle Kalis who – you know, I watched him coming out of Michigan, and I I really like his competitive toughness. You did a really good piece on him, um, highlighting the things that he does well. But he, I mean, he lunges and whiffs a lot with his hands and pass protection, and he has he has some pretty ugly reps. Um, you know, I don't I wouldn't be confident in in him starting. You know, by any means, um, he, he could develop and you know turn into someone decent. Who knows? But so with the tack with the tackles being what they are, and then having a question mark at right guard. I thought that was enough for me to put them where I had them with the chance of bumping up a tier and getting into that solid range if all things went well. But, you know, there, there's a lot of question marks. I think there's more questions than answers for sure
0: with the offensive line. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think if Browns fans uh, have a way of spinning this positively and that's OK, everybody can do that. But I do think you have to recognize some of the risks they took and some of the, you know, the, the the propensity for things to swing the other way on the pendulum. I, I know the last half of 2018 went really well, but a lot of that is, uh, I at least in my opinion, a lot of it was saved by the quarterback, the ability to get out, operate out yeah, of structure, yeah. and those things too. So that's important. There's a lot of variables that go into pressure, quarterback hits, sack numbers. So it's interesting. Do you have any thoughts on Kendall Lamb? Swing tackle was with uh, – uh, with Houston, obviously played some right and left tackle. I think predominantly right tackle. Any any thoughts on him? Honestly,
1: I haven't watched him enough to give you anything, you know, worthwhile. Honestly, I would need to actually sit down and watch him. My one guy that I can say a little bit about is uh, Brian Wintzman, You know, last yeah. year starting, I believe he started 12 or 13 games for the Chiefs, and I you know I, I watched a good bit of him, and I I really like sort of the the tone that he brings to the offensive line. He's a physical guy who plays, I think, with pretty good technique and fundamentals. Um, I don't think he's, you know, his ceiling is it's very high, obviously, but um, definitely a guy that I like to have is sort of that swing interior offensive lineman type, you know, that sixth, seventh guy that you can go into game day with. Um, so I I actually kind of like him as a as a depth piece there. Um, that's, that's somebody kind of randomly that I, you know, have a little bit on. But, yeah, unfortunately, Lamb, I just haven't seen a lot of,
0: yeah, no, the, the Lamb signing is interesting. A little bit more pass protection. I haven't I haven't watched a ton of him too, but seems to play a little bit weak at the point of contact, which gives him some issues. And anybody with Houston's offensive line situation, if they're letting somebody walk away, uh, that's that's kind of telling. But yeah. interesting. I think he's their swing backup tackle, so hopefully he doesn't have to get forced into action. Last question, I'll let you go. Browns have a ton of big contracts in the next two, three years. Miles Garrett coming up, Joe Showbert, Larry Ogunjobi, guys they want to keep around long term. Obviously, uh, Richard Higgins will be a piece they want to keep long-term. Then you get into the big deals: Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, uh, Jarvis Landry. Kind of, they got a lot to do. They got a lot of things on the radar uh, as they actually accumulate good players and good roster talent for the first time in a long time. David Njoku, I should say as well. Um, a guy up front. They obviously we talked about left tackle Greg Robinson, where his contract situation sits. Another point of contention will be J.C. Treader. Do you think? it would be wise for the Browns to lock him up long-term uh, after 2019, or do you sort of think that they can replace that position with a young talent to keep some other financials available?
1: Uh, that's that's a good question. I guess it depends on the contract, really. I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to make him the highest paid center, which it seems like that's, you know, everybody who's decent or better, or not decent, but anybody who's like above average or better, it seems like they get, you know, the richest contract ever, you know, whenever they re-up. But, so I don't really like it, you know, if you're talking about that level of contract, but if you can get, you know, if you could pay him, you know, even like a a top five type center, because I'm sure that after another year it's going to get bumped down and it'll eventually be a top 10 contract or whatever. Not that I think he's a top five guy, but if you could get a little bit below that, that top level contract, I think it would be wise to resign him just because I think he's, he's solid in pretty much every regard. And he's not, you know, I mean, I think he would, he, he's really still in his prime. I mean, he, he just turned 28 years old this year. And, you know, I, I think he would have four or five more years of this level of play in him for sure. So it's not like you're getting rid of somebody who's, you know, at the tail end of their prime or anything. So, I mean, just for the sake of continuity, the, the sake of familiarity with camp and, all that stuff. It just makes sense for me to to re sign a guy like that, especially if you can get him on, you know, like a a pretty decent deal. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely, good insight. That's Brandon Thorn, guys. Amongst many other places, you can find him. He also, I, I'm remiss to not have mentioned this. He does trench warfare, which is also on our Blue Wire Podcast Network, which is just phenomenal stuff. If you want to learn about offensive defensive line play, had Ronnie Stanley on recently uh, of the of Baltimore Ravens, just. Going to give you a ton of insight. If you have an athletic subscription, he's going to put out film rooms. If you like film rooms that I put out, his are even better. So go there, read his stuff. Uh, That's the Athletic Denver. Just go to the Denver branch. You'll be able to find that. And then, again, he writes for USA Football as well. So, uh, Brandon, uh, thanks, man. This is great. I hope, uh, hope everybody learned a lot from this.
1: All right, absolutely, Jake. Thanks again for having me on.
0: No problem, my man. No problem. Guys, we will be back next week. I'm on vacation. I'm getting the podcast in. I'm hustling for you. We'll be back. Give me some of those iTunes rating reviews. Listen to all of the Blue Wire content that's out there. Tons of different things. Uh, Green Bay coverage. We got Oakland Raiders coverage. We got it. It's growing like crazy. Uh, Listen to that stuff if you can. Support Blue Wire. I think we're doing some good things over here. And, um, you know, I appreciate anything on Twitter. BrownstoneBDN. Anything you want, anybody you want to have on, let me know. We'll try to give everybody perspective. Wide receivers will probably cover next uh, as we jump back next week. So um, until then, give Brandon Thorne a follow. Again, that on Twitter is at Brandon Thorne NFL. Give him a follow. Learn about football. I appreciate you guys. As usual, go Browns.